Welcome back to Big Content. Zach Settleman, Nick Urkelano. Zach or Jack? You can be Zach today if okay. you want. Zach Settleman. I like Z. You wish you were named Zach? No, my real name was supposed to be JB. My my middle name's Bennett. They tried JB for like three weeks, didn't catch, so just Jack. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about like the um, abbreviated names of the periods. You know, like JT, JB. Like BJ, CJ. Yeah. You don't like those? I like those. I thought they were cool when I was younger and then I grew up. <laughs> Well, I grew up uh, three weeks, and I shed the, the shortened name. So As you should have. I'm Zach today. Loaded show today. We're going to talk about Elon Musk uh, taking over Twitter and this whole new verification system. We've got Pat Ma- McAfee arguing with the NFL about the rights that he gets. And I think that's a, a cool discussion to have as smaller content creators in terms of like rights that we have for using clips, especially in sports media. And I've, I've had some actual like real world conversations with, I'm sure you have as well, with mm-hmm. companies like Twitch and stuff that are owned by Amazon and, and being able to broadcast the games and all that kind of stuff. So it's, that's, that's fun to talk about. We have some stuff that's happening inside the company that I'd kind of like to go over and get your, um, your take on some things that have happened over the last few days that we had to have some sit down meetings about. And we have uh, a ton of Q and A that I thought were like really, really good detailed questions that we can go in on and, and touch more. So pause, let's start with, uh, Elon Musk. So he takes over Twitter, uh, officially, and he tweeted out a thread basically going over a lot of the changes that he wants to make. Twitter's current lords and peasant system for who has or who doesn't have a blue check mark is bullshit. Power to the people blue for $8 a month. So Twitter blue is their subscription service they currently have. It's $3 a month. I have it. Is it great? Not necessarily. I think the most useful feature for me right now is being able to shoot out a tweet and then read it over and being able to unsend it within the first 30 seconds. You know, so a lot of people just tweet shit out, fuck up the tweet, and then like they're like sitting there, you got to delete it and it's still set, you know, whatever it is. Um, are, are you part of Twitter Blue right now? I'm not. And I think Twitter Blue, one of the features that hit me would have been like NFT profile verification, which I never really felt like I needed. Is that only for Blue? I think that's only for Blue, I'm pretty sure. Uh, outside of that, you can tweet longer videos, I'm pretty sure. Uh, not a ton of features, but also only three bucks a month. Big discussion in general, like, has always been, would you pay for Twitter? Twitter's my favorite application. Snap's obviously where we do the most business, but Twitter I love. I get my news there. I engage. I network very well on Twitter. I am verified. So I think this it will be an interesting conversation. Relax. I know. Relax, relax. <laughs> uh, but you're not verified on Twitter. I am. So how we I just want to drive that point home, but now it's not going to matter. Elon Musk announced eight dollars. Twitter blue will get you verification. So Elon, but paid- I, I think the the big uh, discrepancy here is like everyone will have a blue check mark next to their name that pays for Twitter blue, which is now eight dollars a month. But there will be a secondary tag below the name for someone who's a public figure. So yep. the way you've become the no whether or not someone's a public figure was that blue check mark. Now there will be a secondary piece that actually lets you know, while the other piece that blue check mark will be for people who pay for Twitter blue. So it'll be quite a mindset shift for well, a lot of people. They already have that. Politicians already have that. Like if you go on AOC's profile, like it, she's blue checked and then she's got, you know, government official. So that, that does exist. Where is that? I, I think it's on mobile. Maybe it's not on desktop. I could be mistaken, but I, it does exist already. So it's not out of the realm. Elon Musk, his major thing for buying Twitter was like, we got to remove the bots. We got to remove these fake people, this fake news, all this stuff. Imagine having like a passion project and spending $44 billion on it. Just hilarious use of wealth. But I think this is an interesting model that... What, what most people don't understand is the blue check mark. You have to submit your government ID. So you can't really fake it. Like you have to go through this verification process. How they would onboard millions of people, that's not my problem. But I think it's a positive. Now, the negative, and pe- people are going to say, I'm leaving Twitter. Well, I don't, that, that won't be the verification system for Twitter blue. I think it might be. I doubt it. I don't think, I think that, that would that be the case sense. because like I'm already part of Twitter blue. You didn't have to do that for this. Right. For but this would, no, 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 this would be a, the new process mm. for verification. Now, but, I don't know how they would, maybe it's AI technology. I don't know the answer, but I think the most, uh, the reply that I like the most that I, I think offers a nice counterpoint is you want this to be a public forum, right? The town square, that's been your mission. You just want to remove the fake accounts from influencing that. Well, now it's pay to play. Right. He even said the Twitter blue profiles will be seen higher up in the replies. Yeah, let's go. We can go through the the value props here. Um, He said priority in replies, mentions and search, which is essential defeat, spam and scam. Ability to post long videos and audio, half as many ads, and paywall bypass for publishers willing to work with us. This will also give Twitter a revenue stream to reward content creators. There will be a secondary tag for people who are actually public figures. So what this looks like to me is I, I still think that 
Twitter blue will literally just be the uh, a revenue stream for them. I still think like the the whatever the public figure tag looks like will mm-hmm. still be the thing that everyone's eye goes to. Like Twitter blue just feels like this is a way for them to make money off of it and this this is like their Patreon service in a way. Like we're going to give you the ability to post long video and audio. We were able to do that before. I knew someone that like Twitter's so like, "Oh, I'll give you the 10-minute upload mark right. or whatever." That's just like a a box they can check on the back end to it. So, it's interesting, I think. Um I I do think for Elon personally, you know, you said it was like a passion project. I think this is really smart by him, right? It's a public forum, which he now owns. Mm -hmm. So he becomes, if you think of media outlets, I don't really know the numbers behind this, but I'm assuming Twitter is far more popular than like a news channel like Fox or CBS. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that, but whatever the case may be, he's basically buying the modern day news company, you know, and now he's like the leader of it. So what if he makes... A, I've talked about this in a piece of content. I don't remember when or where it was, but what if he decides that, okay, I have a really important announcement to make or something's happening. I'm going to just edit a new feature onto Twitter where I can pin a tweet of mine onto the Twitter timeline of every single person. Well, that's everyone's biggest fear yeah. is that it's not going to be a public forum. And this is the first move to do that. And how, like, this is where security laws and all these laws might have to come into place because yeah, it might not be the only place to get your news, but if 20% of the world is seeing his tweet and his message, like you said, pinned at the top of their feed, then he's controlling a large portion. It's, right. It could be scary. Some would view it as scary. Do you? So a lot of people are not Elon fans. I am an Elon fan because I do believe outside of his cockiness, his geniusness, all of that goes with him. I do think he's one of the lone billionaires, most influential people in the world whose main goal is to better, to betterment, you know, the rest of our lives. The way he does, he may not agree with, but like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, they donate a fuck ton of money and that's great. But he makes like specific actions, right? He believes that getting us to Mars will change. He believes building tunnels and building faster transportation can fix the world for the better. Now he said he pledged, you know, two and a half billion dollars to solving world hunger. Longer, and then he spends 44 on a social media app, but it's bigger than that. So I, I still do give him the benefit of the doubt, but like, would I question or have a problem with others being worried about this? Not at all. Yeah. I genuinely think Elon's a good guy. I've, I've listened to a ton of interviews that he's gone, a lot of podcasts and stuff. And most of the stuff that he says, like when you're at that scale, of course, you're going to have just a ridiculous amount of people that don't like what you have to say. And that's just the way the world works. But I think for the most part, he's got his head in a good place. I think for a content creator, I think, the, like you said, the overall North Star here is to get rid of the bots so that we can have normal conversation on the platform. I think what he realized is like the only real way to do it is by putting the good part of the platform behind a paywall. The only way to get people to pay for that paywall is to offer them all these random things mm-hmm. that hopefully they like. I wonder how many people genuinely end up paying for this that don't use it in the same way that we do. Because right. I think the biggest value prop to us, for me, the biggest value prop is not... I would pay $1,000 a year for Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat. Because it, As a package bit, or individually? No, no, individually. Because just like, yeah, it that's just like how valuable it is. I mean, I'd probably pay way more. Like Darren Ravel would pay ten grand a month, right? Because he, that's what he makes his net worth off. That's what I was going to say. So, like the biggest value prop to me is not like what we talked about last week, like breaking news. Great. I can get that elsewhere. Yeah. For me, it is the networking, exactly. just being able to stay in contact with people that are in the industry or that I want to connect with. So, and, and how many people, I don't know the numbers pay for LinkedIn premium, right? It's like we network through a different realm, but that's how we think about it. So we're talking to creators right now, right? Like they should all be conscious of, okay, a hundred bucks a year is a worthwhile investment for me on this platform because it is a useful but what is the general public you know like- that's what that's what i'm thinking like when when you know like prez posts a video or whatever 98 comments come in from just like dudes sitting on their couch that are just like talking shit yeah i wonder if this basically just eliminates those people because the people that are twitter blue care about conversations because yeah. they're willing to pay for it so those are not going to be the people outwardly shit talking for no reason they'll move up the rankings and comments replies searches and things like that those other people will fall by the wayside i think it will be a massive energy shift on Twitter, which is a good thing. Yeah. 
So I'm excited to see how it plays out. Um, I, yeah, I'll be buying it too. I think of the amount of stupid fucking pieces of software that I've purchased over the years that yeah. I just like, oh, here's, uh, you know, $8 a month, $96 for the year, here's Crazy. $100. I mean, this is this is For like a font, for like a font on Photoshop that I'll probably never use before, I would do that. So where crypto comes into play in my head, this was the original, like I got Bitcoin and then I was like, we're going to be able to buy Starbucks with it. I don't even drink coffee. And I'm like, that's never happening. But this is where crypto makes sense. Sense, right you don't want to pay the eight dollars a month but you believe that you get like a hundred dollars worth of entertainment or value out of the platform if every time you like to tweet you know 0.01 a penny went to that creator right and you effectively were then paying the site you would pay over a hundred dollars like i think it's tough to argue if you're an active user on twitter not even from a networking creator standpoint just you you take it in like they're selling off your information well worth over a hundred dollars paid ads and mm -hmm. and data and stuff so like that's what remember if you're if you're not paying for the product you are the product right and so i think this is a, just a differentiation of that and that's why i'm completely fine with it yeah I'm, I'm fine with it too i use the platform and i'm not like i feel like as long as you're not a huge asshole this is like a welcome yeah. change onto the platform for do you. you do you think if you're a creator like what does this mean to you because we always talk about diversifying across platforms the danger of you know your account could get banned on youtube or instagram or something like that how do you think a twitter creator needs to change their style or their strategy going forward I don't necessarily think you need to change your style or strategy, but I do think it allows you to be more involved in the conversation. Like if you're actually trying to uh, converse with people and you're trying to like involve yourself into a community, you can now actually do so and have a meaningful conversation. Like you can add value to a conversation without being drowned into a bunch of fuck. Like you go to a guy who talks about the Knicks or something mm -hmm. and you want to talk about their starting five and who's on their bench that should be in the starting five or some shit. You can have a meaningful conversation because your comment that's well-intentioned doesn't get lost in, yeah. the, in the heat of things while there would be other, you know, 95 comments that are like, this guy's an asshole. Fuck <laughs> this. This team sucks. Sell the team, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So I think it allows the platform to be used how it was meant to be used in the first place. So if you're coming from a genuine place and you want to add value to a community, I think this will allow the ability to open that up. There'll be pitfalls of cutting audience because as annoying as the trolls are, the sheer mass of users definitely contributes to the validity Yeah, of the it, it's like, I, th I mean, he knew this coming in. It's basically one step back in right. an attempt to make two steps forward right. on the platform. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, at this point, I don't, realistically, I don't expect much <laughs> from Twitter. Like when I go on the, on the timeline, I'm not like, oh, sick. Like I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> it's more like if I have something to do well, like intention, like, oh, I got to reach out to this person. Let me plan yeah. something with them. Cool. Otherwise it's. You know, it's like well, the the last thing that's interesting, he didn't really elaborate, but he said that creators could make money potentially off of this. And I think that New York Times, right, their revenues and subscriptions have probably dropped because of the freedom of, of you know, all the tools that we have. But if every time you click through, right, Twitter paid you based on that at activity that could be really interesting like newsletters could then just real they've made a push towards newsletters a little I've seen product pages exactly products on people's have you seen um what's the really popular tech dude i am mkbhd yeah look so he's got products straight from his commerce store on the top of his profile i've yeah. never seen that before and i came across his profile yesterday yeah that looks clean as shit i really like the idea of being able to do that. My question, I guess, is like, we've seen almost every platform try to have these monetization options. Like, yeah, like Instagram shopping. Instagram. Have you ever used that tab in your life? I have actually. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe that. I See, I think that's a great path for monetization on that platform. And I bet it yeah. got, I think it got really popular at I'm one sure point. I think they kind of like decided, I, cause I think at one point they were like, our, our direction is gonna be to go more towards a shopping platform. Yeah. And then video started popping off. They're like, now we're gonna be a vertical video. You know what yeah. I mean? I think they're like all over the place a little yeah. bit with that. But like YouTube has a subscription option. Like mm -hmm. if you wanna become a member on my channel, yeah. it's, it's like cool. And they're trying to become like the all encompassing, like one stop shop. And I think that's what they're doing with like YouTube handles now that yeah. channels kind of handles. They wanna become like a community tab as well where you can have conversations. They've done, most of them have done a poor job of allowing the creator to actually monetize on them because they're just like, oh, they're using this platform over here, like Patreon to monetize this way. Let's just try to take that because they're already here. They're going to use it. And it's just like users on the platform are not used to that type of thing. So it's like, how do you, and I think the newsletter works perfectly because people are already writing. So it's like, you like someone on Twitter, you like their writing. So yeah. pay for their premium. Yeah. Let's talk about Pat McAfee. He basically went off because he, as a company, you can explain it. Yeah. So Pat McAfee is the Pat McAfee show probably does 80,000 to a hundred thousand concurrence. They do more live viewers than the NFL draft does uh, versus the NFL's YouTube. 
They just absolutely crushed it. He's the most exciting creator in the sports space, in my opinion, right now. They were the first solo media company, so not some big, you know, venture-backed ESPN, Bleacher, et cetera, to strike a deal with NFL highlights, NFL films, to use highlights on their show. It was never disclosed how much they paid until Monday Night Football, Browns, Bengals, they're doing their show for that Monday, and they announced that the NFL came to them, the lawyers, the legal team, whoever they worked with there, and said, you obviously pay for the highlights, you can continue to use them, but you can no longer use logos on the show. That's not in their terms of the deal. McAfee, he's a generally positive person, seems like a really nice guy. He went off. He went off. He was extremely transparent. He was like, we pay $4.5 million a year to use highlights, and now we can't use them anymore. We cover the league in a positive way. We've spoken about it for the past three years. We don't talk about CTE and concussions and insurance and all maybe the negatives, and we could get into that as well. So he went off on that. From being smaller content creators and building media companies that can't shell out $4.5 million, we kind of face our own restrictions. What's your take on this situation? It feels like a, it's like the NFL is gatekeeping right now in a world where the power dynamics have shifted so drastically towards individuals and content creators. And they're just so powerful because of like the TV rights that mm-hmm. they don't actually have to conform to the way the world is working right now. This feels like something that's going to change, but it might take a really long time. And in 20 years, we're going to look back and be like, that's crazy that they did that. In the same way that like, again, if you wanted to become a famous personality, you had to go through the executives at a TV company mm-hmm. or whatever, and they have to give you the say, and then you can get put on a TV show and get popular. Nowadays, like we can just come on YouTube and say whatever we want. Yeah. And if people like it, they follow us with putting up videos on YouTube. We can put NFL highlights into our stuff. We can't monetize videos that we do that with, right? which is fine by me because you're not like making a ton of money off of YouTube clips mm-hmm. right now. But it's weird because in today's world, everyone, everyone is so um, accustomed to loving like their individual preferences, right? And everything is getting more customized. We talked about this with like the, the, the whole fitness thing where fitness is broken mm-hmm. down into so many different types of fitness now, like the goat yoga versus running versus all that shit. Everything is becoming more personalized. So it's weird to me that the NFL doesn't go around to, you know, and they are starting to like slowly integrate this into other people's stuff and give them access rights and whatever, but they're not actively making a move to get other people's audiences involved. Be like, just go to Logan Paul and be like, Hey, you can broadcast our game. Mm. You can do your own stream, but you're seeing them only, they're still gatekeeping the fact that like only Peyton Manning and Eli can do it. Right. And they're like, and those are massive deals that are not like real life things that anyone can attain. But I'd be shocked if we don't see that over the next 10 years, it moved towards more of like an individual because Logan Paul has an audience of, I don't know, 10 million people or whatever. Mm. Maybe 6 million of them don't watch the NFL. But if he were like, hey, me and the the impulsive crew are going to do an NFL broadcast for the game, that might pull in an extra million people mm-hmm. that the NFL, that people weren't really watching before. And it just feels like a really outdated opportunity that they're like very money hungry, power hungry. And the money coming from the TV rights is so fucking massive that it's like, you know, I don't blame them. I don't really know the inner workings yeah. behind it, but there's, a, there's an opportunity being laid out there that they're just like, no, we're power hungry. This is the way we've doing it for 50 years. So we're not going to like change our ways. Yeah. So my take on this is probably going to shock people because obviously we're creator economy. We're all for the creator. What is the NFL supposed to do, right? He pays four and a half million dollars. That's an insane amount of money that no creator can really fathom paying. Amazon paid them $10 billion over the next decade, right? There's levels to this. So if Amazon, if Bezos came to, you know, Goodell and said, hey, we're paying you billions, uh, they're not paying for those rights. Like, what are you supposed to do in that scenario? The NFL saw 25 of the top 50 viewed, you know, live TV programming last year. So there is still, they still own live rights, live television, and they don't, you know, you can make the argument they don't need the creator. Then you have the complete opposite, the NBA, all in. Whatever creator wants to do, whatever, they don't ding you for anything, they don't attack you for anything, they let you do it. And that has 100% correlation to the rise of the NBA, NBA Twitter, all that goes into that, right? Like so much more is highlighted around the court in that league versus the NFL. NFL, it's mostly the on the field product. So I can't blame the NFL. Like you said, in the next 10 years, how do we view that? I think a major, major kind of fork in the road will be the next generation. Because if you eliminate gambling and fantasy who's wa- and red zone, who's watching the NFL? You can't. That is an, um, uh, an unwatchable product. 
And if you have people who start speaking out like that and and highlighting that like this game isn't that exciting, you need the extra factors to it. You need the people, the personalities yeah. that bring the audience in. And that's why I'm like, okay, so Amazon buys the rights, but Amazon also owns Twitch. So yeah. let people live stream the game. Yes. YouTube would never, you know, you're not allowed to do that. It gets pulled down anytime you try to do it. You got to go to like crackstreams.biz or whatever yeah, to watch yeah. the game. It would, I feel like it would do them some justice to allow their creators to do that. And the monetization, I don't know, do whatever you want with it, I guess. But we got on a call with Twitch, probably we were in the office at the time, it was early on, maybe six months ago. There was someone from Twitch that like follows me on Twitter. He's like, yo, I heard you talking about it in a podcast, like the mm -hmm. fact that you guys can't live stream the games with the games up on the screen. And it's like annoying because it's like, we can do a live stream for Monday Night Football, yeah. but like, it's just a camera watching us on the couch. It's yeah. like, that gets boring after yeah. a while. We'd love to have the games up. Kids like, oh, I know the head of, you know, I work at Twitch. I know the head of this, whatever. I, they're like starting to open it up to more creators. You guys should get on a call. Yeah. I got on a call and I was like led to believe that like we might actually get access to do it. <laughs> He was like, yeah, like only like three or four of the top creators in the world are, are like being able to test this out a little bit. See, that makes no sense to me. Like if Amazon owns Twitch and they are pushing that, if you're trying, you can spin the numbers however you want. Like it's not taking away from that stream. It should still count towards it. that. I understand. I mean. yeah. Right. That I totally understand. So yeah, that's a little bit surprising. I mean, it's surprising and not surprising, right? Like, yeah, I just, I just feel like, I, listen, it's, it's a big undertaking, obviously. So these kind of things move slowly behind the scenes, but I just don't see a world where in 20 years it doesn't play itself out to where people that want to watch the NFL are not watching it via the people that they want to watch it through, right? right? That's just the way the world is. Like the most common complaint, if you're on Twitter paying $8 a month is like these analysts suck or yeah. these commentators oh, I hate suck. Joe Buck. I yeah, hate Troy Aikman. It's like, all right, they gave you Peyton Eli. People loved it, but there's right. a lot of people that like don't. And it's yeah, like, yeah. you give us 15 options of doing it. Like if, if Prez and Big Cat did a game where they were the ones broadcasting yeah. it, there would be a lot of people watching that 100%. and it'd be a lot more exciting to do it and just do that with every fucking individual content creator. And then eventually you have like the funnest game ever. You're like, yeah. let me hop on Jack's stream. <laughs> let me hop on Nick's stream. Let me hop on Big, Big Cat's stream. Yeah. Like, that's the way I envision well, live sports happening. Well, Amazon attempted it with Dude Perfect. I think a, a good attempt, a, a strong miss in my opinion i think they overestimated nickelodeon right overestimation of they're trying to get the kids but start like they were kids you know mm -hmm. don't start with six-year-olds yeah. in my opinion <laughs> ones who like barely even know what football is exactly. they can't follow the game exactly yeah all right so elon musk we have pat mcafee yeah let's let's talk about a meeting that i called yesterday intra office so there had been like when the season comes around for us the nfl season our stuff starts to get very um you know, the NFL is week by week Monday. by week by week. You Monday know, you know what you expect Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever. It's cyclical and it can get stale for us as creators, but more importantly, like us as a as a media company, you'd like to think that being in the position that we're in and doing the work that we're doing, it never gets stale, right? Like mm -hmm. you're always able to come up with ideas and be creative and whatever. And I had felt this like a little bit of a staleness, like mm -hmm. the energy was down and we weren't like pushing towards something. So called a meeting and I basically just like laid that out. I wasn't blaming anyone because, you know, I'm fortunate enough to like look at it from the mindset that it starts from the top down. Like I'm the one who needs to set the tone, the one who needs to have the energy if we're going to go in the right direction. So I was just kind of like picking their brains on what we think was wrong because it, it felt like we were lacking a little bit of urgency, you know, mm -hmm. and I didn't know if it was because things get cyclical. And I, I get very, not in my head, but I, I get kind of bored doing content in the season because it's the same thing. It's so right, repetitive. Right. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is just a company-wide thing that's happening. Maybe it's just resonating from the energy that I have to everybody else. And then there was part of me thinking, Maybe it's because we don't necessarily have an overall goal that we're all working towards at the at the same time, right? Like we have, we know like Tuesday, we're sitting down to do this piece of content, this piece of content, Wednesday, this, 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 Thursday, this, 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 whatever. And it's the same thing. And it's like, but what are we doing that for? Is there like a revenue goal we need to set? Is there, you know, we've talked about this, but like a project goal that we might all feel more inspired working towards. Like mm -hmm. we're just kind of doing a lot of things and we don't know what we're looking for in return. And I think it's important for like the human psyche to have something that you are working towards. So we sat down for like two hours and a lot of it came down to the fact that like, we're all kind of on our own pace and schedule. So rather than like working as a team towards one thing or multiple things, it's kind of like a bunch of people on like mis uh, mercenary missions, like doing their own thing. And that's not the energy that you want to like cultivate in a creative environment like this. There are sometimes I come in and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm like in here today. Like I'm doing my own thing, but like, I don't, I don't need to be here, which is right. a weird thing to say when we have the office space. So 
basically what we did was like, okay, we need to get all of our like Google calendars aligned. Like everyone put down exactly what you need. Uh, everyone put down exactly what your schedule looks like. And we need to find the gaps within, because at the end of the day, the things that fulfill me is when we're working together to like make a, a funny, like three minute video, mm -hmm. right? Or we're like, okay, let's make this project two weeks down the line. Like this is what we need to do between then and now let's like work on it together. It's like the late nights that are like, oh fuck, I'm tired. Like let's push through this, whatever. Like those are, those are the things that really like drive me. Those are the things I have the most fun doing it. And I'm like, if we're in here and we're not getting that feeling on a weekly, if not daily basis, like, why the fuck are we doing this? Mm -hmm. We're going through the motions. Like we need to be inspired. We need to be, in, uh, we need to be creative. We need to be pushing forward. Otherwise there's no reason for us to move past this level. And there will be a day that comes where if we don't do that now, we set ourselves up in a spot where we're all going to fail together. You know, like we have to push past the boundaries because this is not like a path that a lot of people have gone to before. So it's like, we need to continue to try to innovate. And like some of it came from complacency of Ike's lunch blowing up. And then we're like, okay, like we have this nice little boundary to sit on. Yep. Let's not push forward. And I wonder like if we never hit that bump, what would we be doing? We'd be more inspired. We'd be more creative. We'd know we'd have to push harder and experiment more. And that became a big concern for me because I'd, I'd felt it a little bit over the last few weeks. And I was like, I can't really sit on this anymore. We need to like talk about it together. So we had that meeting. Things went well. We got all our calendars in a line. So now we know where we have, you know, chunks where we can be filming and, and have creative uh, brainstorming and stuff like that. And there's a lot of it that they felt as if it's hard to get everyone together at the same time. It's hard to, you know, if Tony was like, yeah, if I come up with like a project or a, or a piece of content I want to work on, it feels like I just have to push forward with it by myself and there's no one like helping me out with mm -hmm. it or whatever. And, I, and I'm kind of thinking like, okay, there is some sort of responsibility to you if you want to be the head of a project. But at the same time, if we get all our calendars together, you always have a spot where you're like, animal, I'm going to pull you for an hour on Tuesday when you have this big opening. Let's sit down and brainstorm this idea that I want to push forward with, you know, because if we're not, I, I look at it a lot like, like, Barstool, man, the way that their business runs is there's in their individual mercenaries in a sense, mm -hmm. pushing forward with ideas and projects that they have. And some of them are successful. Some of them are not, but it's not like one person giving the okay on a lot of things. Right. So I was basically saying like, I need you guys to push yourselves. It's not going to come from the top down. Like we have projects that we work on collectively, but the way that we push forward is having everyone bring something to the table and like being accountable, being responsible for the things that you want to see happen. Cause if you don't, if you don't make it happen, it's not going to happen to you. You know, yep. like that was the overall like message. And I think we're in a good spot right now. But yeah, it was just like an uneasy feeling. Like, I wish we filmed a little bit more of it, but it was a, uh just like a raw conversation that I think, you know, needs to happen in here. And I've kind of battled between like, do we have like individual meetings every month or every mm -hmm. week or something like that? But I'm not like a micromanager type of person, but some of me feels like, okay, maybe I do need to stay on top of these guys because we need more practical, tangible goals that we push towards every single week rather than just having like aimless tasks being done. I don't know where to start. I think. Did that I make sense? Yeah, okay. because I don't know if it was Halloween. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it's the fact that we're going to week nine, which is, you know, the dead half point of the season. I don't know if it's the fact that it turned to November and it kind of feels like, all right, the fall is ending, but it's also starting. I think I had that same conversation with four people yesterday. Like, no joke, this idea of I'm going to every single Monday Night Football game. It's fucking sick. Mm -hmm. Everyone wishes they could live this dream. But now it's a feeling of one, like, when is it over, right? Because it is the same thing every single week. So how do we not get complacent with it? How do we come up with fresh ideas? I think Halloween actually helped, right? Like it was an obvious one. We did the costumes, we got on TV, but like we had fallen into a rhythm. Now, I think like in general as a creator, right? When you do find that rhythm, that is generally a positive thing because then you can churn, then you can get more content out. And I think quality is great, but uh, quantity is obviously hyper important too. So we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we capitalize on the back half of the year, but also like, how do you in a cyclical schedule, like make sure that the work gets done because it is just as important. So what goals did you set? I guess would be the question. We didn't set any specific goals right now that I think we need to be tangible with, but I guess honestly, as, as simple as it was, I was like, everyone needs to get their account because we never use Google calendars yeah. to, to look at what each other's schedules were. Yeah. And me and Animal have gone back and forth on like, because he comes up with 10 idea, video ideas a week right. that we could hammer out, but we're never, we like almost never push forward with them. And a lot of them is because we just have this disorganization between each other. And I'm also going to say, because you don't have those goals, we don't either, right? It's like, 
if you if you set a goal, which is like maybe just let's create funny viral content, right? Mm-hmm. Then that would help pick between the 10. But we're in the same spot. Everyone asks, what's the goal of Snapback Mondays? And I always say three things. One, meet the fans. Like I think just touch points in different areas is important. Two, to make money on it. Well, we already did that. We already sold yeah. against it. Three, to get viral moments. So maybe if we recalibrate it and we're like, all right, Halloween was great. Like, how do we go viral in New Orleans? How do we go viral here so that it doesn't stay stale? Because now we're doing the same uh, man on the street content every week. It's trivia. It's would you wear this jersey for 20 bucks? Like, that stuff is going to get stale. So we need to kind of recalibrate. So I think, yeah, goal setting is important. Yeah, it's such a it's such a tough line between process and results. Because I look back at the summer when I was, like, busier than any time I've mm-hmm. been throughout my professional life. And it was like creating BDG3 and the bash was like super fulfilling. It was yeah. a project that we were all working on together. We all knew like launch date was here. Mm-hmm. We got to work towards that. Here are the things we got to hit on the yeah. way. You know, I had different products like creating the draft guide and all this kind of stuff that I was working on with my developer. So I had these like goals that I was tangibly working towards. And when you're in the season, it's not really there. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the off season hits and we'll have to like renegotiate our deal. It's like, that'll be a milestone for us. Like we'll celebrate if we sign a, a new deal or renew our deal or whatever. Yeah. And we hit a big one, but then all that does is allow us to continue doing what we're doing. And if we're not doing shit that we're enjoying, then what was the point it's, of it's doing just it? It's a cycle. Right. Yeah. So I think like ultimately, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of like talking in, in, into the air a little bit right no, now. No, I'm but, with you. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I always joke that you're the one with the vision and you <laughs> see yourself and I'm just trying to go day by day and figure it out on the fly. But I think like one of those things might be just growing the audience, right? And that's mm-hmm. huge. But can you put, do you, you don't necessarily need to put a goal on the specific number, but like if that's a, an app, you know, a goal you can attain. Yeah, the audience is a goal that we can attain. I, yeah, I, I, do, I do think it comes down to like, what I, what I want to do, I think, is have each of them, this is kind of just an idea I thought of, but like have each of them pitch me on one or two projects that they would like to see come to fruition. Yeah. And then me kind of like oversee or help them make those things into real life. Cause I, I really do feel like at, at the end of the day, no matter what job you're in, whether it's doing something like this or you're in an office building where it's, you know, like accounting, mm-hmm. I think you need to feel fulfilled and, and like you're working towards something and like you're working as a part of something. And if you don't have that North star, you start to feel the randomness. You start to look for the fulfillment in other things. And then you're, mm-hmm putting this on the back burner for it. So I'd like to see a few projects that we have as things that everybody's working towards, whether that's together, which I would ideally like, but I don't know. What's your opinion on, on kind of, I don't want to say putting on the back burner, but like, I actually don't have a problem with us just being focused on these next two and a half months of football and doing the week by week stuff, because that's what we set out to do. And then when March comes being like, all right, how do we plan, whether it's for next football season, for the summer, whatever it might be. Like planning long-term versus short-term? Just in general, like, you know, you're frustrated that there's no urgency, but there's also like, this is the season where you do this type of content and it becomes cyclical and that's okay. Yeah, I go back and forth in my head about that. I'm like, it's okay, but... I just, it's more of like a feel thing for me. Like sometimes yeah. I'll just walk to the office. I'm just like, we're not doing anything right now. Like, right. yes, we got the things done that we were supposed to be doing, but like, why not? Why don't yeah. we have more ideas? Well, like, isn't that the general entrepreneurship thing is like, once you go and do your own thing, it's like, you feel like you should be doing something a hundred hours a day. Maybe. Yeah. Went right. But like, and you pay for the office. This, every second the lights are on, I know you don't pay for electricity, but you pay for the... Oh, the, I do. <laughs> you pay, pay for the... a fucking lot for electricity. <laughs> Sorry. You pay for the light. You know, you pay for all that. So it's like, let's do. But, you know, some of that we've talked about. Like, we can only work for so many hours a day. No, I feel you. It, I, I, I don't yeah. think that was this for for yeah. what I was referring no, to. No, complacency though. is very fucking real right now. Yeah. I mean, just in general. Or how, Dude, once you head into Thanksgiving, December will be the worst month ever. Like, ever. nothing gets done. No one's here it's cold it's like i see myself already looking past the season to start working on like our, our rookie draft guide like that's the product what i'm saying there. and i'm that's like that's what i'm saying like, is that okay good. it's not i mean no i okay. would say no i don't know if there's a right answer but for yeah. me the way i look at it the way i'm interpreting things like no i don't i don't want that to be okay mm-hmm. you know what i mean so my i mean all the creators right all the different industries there's different height you know, and low periods. And I think this is something that everyone will feel is when you're in it, do you push, you know, pedal to the metal, you're all in, go crazy during football because then you're going to relax during the summer? Or is it more of a balanced approach? You do what you have to do during this season and then you kind of plan and build, you know, this other stuff in the off season. Yeah, I mean, the way I'm looking at it now is like we're not a football company anymore. Right. We're, we're like, we're a full-time company. Yeah. All year round, full-time sports, media, entertainment thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't think it's ever okay to take the, the fucking foot 
off the pedal right mm-hmm. now. We're just trying to figure out together, you know, what it is. I need to figure out what levers I need to be pulling, like whose lever I need to be pulling at, at the right time to make sure that this gas continues to get as much mileage out of it as we possibly can. But yeah, I just thought I'd put that out there because it was something that went on in our thing. We're trying to like, it's it's difficult and like we're all just trying to figure shit out as we go. But the more organized you are for things and the more you prep for things, the better it usually comes out. You're going to have to fix things on the fly, of course. But for the most part, I feel like it's funny. You get away from like the nine to five stuff and you're like, ah, fuck those meetings. But it's like, damn, like we kind of need those. Yeah, we need to stay yeah, organized. A yeah. lot of the things that they do, they're best practice for a reason. Yeah. You know? All right, let's move to Q&A. Mega Bees asks uh, on TikTok, if you wanted to alter the demographics of your brand, how would you go about that? I.e. get more women to participate in your fantasy product. I feel like a lot of creators and companies, and I'll give a real life example in a minute, have expectations of what their audience should look like. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things you'll learn is like you, I mean, you don't get to choose that. Like you can portray yourself as one thing and have a, you can have a target audience in terms of, you know, what you think the demographics are going to be and how they act. And that will probably be a reflection of how you act, you know, but for the most part, you do not get to choose the way your demographics of your audience are, but you can make different pieces of content. I think that relate to other people, but that will start relating less to the people that you built mm-hmm. your audience around initially. I'll give an example. So we work with the company Mojo and we had a lot of meetings in the beginning to really understand the goals of their company and likewise to get to know the team and et cetera. They're a very corporate team. Like their executives are very experienced from, you know, really, really big companies. They know how to scale a tech software company and they're target customer was finance dudes Mm -hmm. that throw 10k 20k at investments and the way i looked at their platform like neither of us get to choose how this plays out right Right. the way i looked at their platform is that true is what is that true they don't get to like as much as the consumer will be who the consumer is the way they market the product you're right the way they can market i would say like uh the success though you you're going to alter the success of what you're doing towards your willingness to build a certain audience, which I guess it's well, chicken or the egg. It feels like a little bit. Well, here, yeah, here's my thing is like you, yeah, you choose your goal and then you can market it how you want to specific audience. So they wanted, they, they imagine their target customer was like these savvy long-term investors on their platform. My mind went to their, their app is like beautifully cleanly done. It's a sports stock market. So you're investing and in buying shares of certain players. It looks just like Robin hood. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you understand you basically gamified investing in sports players the same way that Robinhood has a bunch of day traders on it is probably how your app is going to play itself out. And of course, there will be big time investors that probably put big money on it. But they also were very, very adamant about this not being like a fantasy football app. They're Mm -hmm. like, we don't just want to target fantasy football players, which is great. But the foundation of this app is so perfect for like dynasty fantasy football players that love rookies, that Mm -hmm. love young players and want to invest in them for the future because that's literally what their content is already made for when you're making dynasty fantasy football content. So I'm like, you can take the long route and try to hit those big time financial investors, but that will work so much slower than marketing to the people that are already doing Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Like say what you do on your app, you just described exactly what these people are already doing in their content, you yes. know? So that's an example of where you can choose, but a lot of it's force-fed, in my opinion. So how would you alter it? I would say, why do you want to change your audience, right? If you're if you're creating a certain type of content, you are intentionally appealing to an audience that fits whatever bill it might be. So why would you want to do that? I think this question almost applies more to like when Ike's Lunch blew up and this was an introduction to a fantasy football company originally, now a media company. How do you introduce them to other parts? And I think we've talked about that before. I don't know if you would want to change your audience intentionally. Like, I mean, if you want to you create change your audience, content, yeah, you basically just like trickle down the audience to the actual like for us there wasn't a lot that changed we just Mm -hmm. continue putting out fantasy content continue putting out sports content and the people that wanted to watch that would watch it the people that didn't didn't want to do it so you make the content that you like you become the content that you make realistically Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's like you want to be known for this or that or the other thing you have to portray yourself as knowing about this that or the other thing and if you don't do that you can't just talk about wanting to be that person you just are that person right like i like talking about business Mm -hmm. jack likes talking about business now you're on panels talking about becoming a creator and, and running businesses and and likewise, so it's like you become the person that you portray yourself as within the content. So it's like you want to 
market to these people, you have to make content that those people enjoy. I can't force women to participate in fantasy because they don't naturally do it often. Yeah. If they like fantasy football, they might yeah, find... Yeah, I was with Anna, who's in my bash league at mm-hmm. Penn State this weekend, and it was cool. No way. Yeah. You met her? Yeah, yeah. Fuck. She beat me, and then she was shit-talking me at State College. I was like, what the fuck? Now I'm pissed that I didn't beat her. I didn't realize I was going to hang with her there. Uh, but Side note, we might actually be going to Penn State on the 12th. For what? Mojo wants to send us to do like a tailgate party there. Nice. Yeah, Maryland, Penn State. Um, so we might go there. Anyway, I don't know why I even that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, kind, kind of a tangent yeah. to it. But I think that, why, once again, why do you want to change the audience? And if you do, if you want to make this committed change to the audience, understand that you're going to lose the audience. But this is the point of the goal. Is like if you, if you have 100,000 followers and your audience is 90% male because you talk about whatever, some male-heavy topic, and you want a 50% female audience, understand that that audience is going to drop. You're going to lose male viewership because you're tailoring your content directly to a female or to finance or to cooking or whatever it is. You will always lose audience, at least initially. One step back. Could yeah, be it's, like, it's like feeding. It's like feeding... Think of your audience as like an animal. It's like you're you're feeding them a, a snack or a food or whatever. They like that, but you're like, hey, I want to also attract this animal over here. Yeah. You know, fucking horses eat grass, dogs eat meat or whatever. If you put meat down, the dog's gonna come. But if you put meat and fucking grass down, you're gonna have fewer dogs coming yeah. your way. So yeah, it is it is about why. <laughs> Sorry, I was it is about why. Monday. Georgia fan? No, no, Cleveland, Cleveland. Oh shit! Wait, you just got back. From Cleveland. How was that? How was Cleveland? Cleveland. You like Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland might be my city. It really might. It's it, People are calling it the LA of the Midwest. Uh, no, Wait, the, what people are the people, the unverified, the non blue <laughs> yeah, checkers? Yeah, yeah on the non blue check. <laughs> I like Cleveland. It was a fun time. That's cool. All right. Next question we have Dylan asks uh, If you're a massive sports fan and want to cover all sports, should you just do that and build an audience that likes you or focus on a niche and then expand? This is good because he basically did exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of covering all sports and I've done the exact opposite and picked fantasy football and then um, have slowly expanded outwards clearly both work though yes we're not big data people like because snap doesn't have analytics built into the api that can really help you say like your audience like 70 percent likes football 30 percent likes baseball all that stuff so it's really just word of mouth and response and and it's something that we kind of question right like people always say hey post nascar we're a running feed of kind of memes highlights culture so do the people who are coming for football like do they watch the basketball do they skip through it does it matter does it not make them, you know, is it cyclical that our NBA fans are only watching during basketball season? Uh, World Series, you know, is when we post a lot of baseball as opposed to the regular season we're posting football in September. So I think that the answer is, once again, pick what you want to do first off, right? And if you want to go holistic, understand that I think that will be tougher. I do think niche and then build from there is easier, but like storytelling gives you more options, right? Because if you want to be a TikTok storyteller, Frank Michael Smith is awesome. Kieran uh, Care Bear is awesome. And they they haven't picked a sport. Now, you also have to understand certain sports are going to see more attention. You also have to understand small fish, big pond, big fish, small pond, right? Like we're covering NASCAR this week which is going to be super sick. I'm one of very few creators who will ever touch that sport at this point. So the viewership, you know, is going to be higher and heightened and we'll get more access. So it's kind of just what do you want to solve for? The answer is both obviously can work, but I would guess that niche up, but then that could lock you in, right? Like you're not locked in. You've done a nice job of expanding. But if you did go, you're a pickleball media company like the Dink, they're not going to tennis anytime soon. Like they are very niche down. That's okay. They're the biggest one. There's two of them, you know, them in the kitchen. So I think it just depends what you want to do. Yeah, I I do think it goes back to what your goal is and then figuring out from there. Um, You seem like you're extremely passionate about covering all sports. My concern is like, I get it. You're passionate about all sports. You're probably a one man person right now. Covering all sports can be all encompassing because the way you cover different sports is so drastically different Mm because football happens once a week. Right. So it's not Eh. tough. It's not tough for me to recap everything that happens on a Sunday in a Monday game. Basketball, baseball, these are every single day. And a lot of these sports are overlapping with each other. So how are you really going to cover? Like, you would rather cover one sport really, really well than five sports right at 30 yeah. percent, yeah, yeah, right because then no, no one comes to you as the guy you're just throwing out kind of random things at once so 
there is a time and place for both. I do think expanding uh, in today's world, it's tough to just cover everything at once. You yeah. know, like you started doing it a long time ago, so mm-hmm. you got in at a good time. So I'm not going to say it was easy for you, but it was like a much easier no, time. But, but when we did our sports podcast, it's a problem, right? People don't want to come listen for general sports. A I lot agree. of fans like, want yeah. just like the Vikings or the Vikings offensive line. You know, they want hyper specific content to them. So I think niching is good. But then you also have situations where, like, guys cover the NBA or beat reporters cover just the team. And in my opinion, it can cap you unless you are a special talent who can, you know, live through that cap. So it's all kind of it definitely what do you want to do for a living? Do you want right. to cover the Chicago Bulls? Like, you can absolutely become a Chicago Bulls creator. All your brand deals are going to come from Chicago-based companies. It's, it's right? much easier, in my opinion, to, to monetize and become that thing if you are down to a very specific focus. That's interesting. Because you have a really dedicated target audience and they know exactly yes. what your you're giving to them. Your engagement will never be higher. That's your engagement's sure. really high. Your products can be very but, specific as well. But like you look at a company, like let's say Mojo had on, only gone, you know, where they're legal in New Jersey. That eliminates a national creator or a Cleveland creator, right? Because they're not there. Uh, so that's, th- well, that's it, like a legal, that's, that's a little bit different. They're constricted but, by that. Yes, but I if think they like, had, if they had the opportunity to go to all 50 states and they said, hey, we're only opening in New Jersey, it'd be fucking no, really no, no, dumb, but obviously. I, but I'm saying like, whatever, let's go back to our fitness example. Niche, right? You want to just do biceps. Okay. Well, is it you, niche or niche? I think it's niche, but everyone always says niche and it's easier to say on the okay. podcast. Well, I only say, I, I, say I can niche. never get it right. You always niche. said niche. So I started yeah. saying it and now, now you said niche. Yeah. niche All right. We're going back to niche. niche. Let's go back to the fitness example. You're a bicep niche, right? You can't sell a leg machine. You could dominate biceps though. So it, it, it's not just state by state regulations. It's product fit. So I think it is, it's really dependent on what you want to solve for. Yeah. I, I think the way to do it nowadays is to go deeper on a specific thing. And you, I mean, listen, that's you where can, I would start. Yeah. 100%. I, w- I would pick a, I would pick a topic, go in on it. And then if you have the bandwidth to go, I think a lot of a mistake, a lot of people make also trying to get into the content game is like overshooting. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to do five episodes a week. And it's like, nah, dude, start with one, yeah. maybe two Like cooking. I would do like Buffalo chicken recipes, right? You could just start that's in that, like, that's how small you could go. And then you could go chicken recipes or you could go Buffalo items and yeah. like you max go dinner the, or breakfast. Or right, lunch perfect or example. Like, max the meat guy. Have you ever heard of him? He's awesome. Makes incredible content. He, his name is Max the Meat Guy. You would think he makes all meat-based content. That's where he started at. He hammered meat. Uh, 48-hour brisket and these big sirloin steaks. Oh, it's amazing. Well, now that he has a million followers and he's all over the place, he's doing surf and turf, right? And he's do- and so now he's established himself. As oh, just I know a, this guy. Yeah, a yeah. food creator. Mm-hmm. He's got 5 million TikTok followers. He definitely doesn't only talk about meat. But I think the fact that he went Max the Meat Guy... Definitely helped. But and 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 being that specific also allows you to have like really deep yes. uh, opportunities. Like he could partner with Omaha Steaks and probably sell a million fucking steaks. <laughs> he could literally start his own meat line maybe if he got yeah. a partnership with like a farm or something be like hey max and me guys these are all like organic 100 grass-fed or whatever it gives you the opportunity i think to really productize and really have the right partners and stuff i like the idea of niching niching down whatever you want to call it <laughs> and then uh expanding out as you have the bandwidth for it yep nicholas what is the most important aspect in the process of making thumbnails i will i will say one line here less is more Less is more. People that don't know a fucking thing about design, which is still me to this day, but was really me like five years ago, try to do way too much on thumbnails. With thumbnails, I think you need to have like three three things in the thumbnail, probably one object. I don't even know if you need to have words in it, but a lot of, you can either have like one word or like a very small phrase, but do not repeat the title in the thumbnail. That's a mistake that a lot of people make. They try to put like a whole paragraph in the, it looks terrible. What you want to do is like, is really tell a story with the thumbnail. It's like, get people intrigued, have like a keyword where you're like, oh, that's interesting. And then have them, you're basically reading top to bottom. You're reading a page, right? From the thumbnail down to the title. So what you want it to be one continuous story as you're reading. I think a lot of people get sucked into like very specific ways of, of making their thumbnail along with their title. And it's just like, no, you want to have something that just flows. And with, with the thumbnail itself, less is always more with design. Good
good spacing, take inspiration from other thumbnails that you see, right? That's like the biggest piece of advice. I think if you're browsing YouTube and you're like, oh, that's really good. That's really good. Why? Ask yourself why you think that's really good. Is it like the shadow behind the person? Is it the the font color, the color of the font mm -hmm. on the background color? Like there are very, very specific things you can look for that you can take inspiration from to use in your thumbnails. People are also templating them now. And I think that consistency has helped a lot of creators, like not just making it easier video to video, but also like it helps with your brand, knowing that when you see that type of thumbnail that you're clicking into that mm -hmm. piece of content, I would almost say the biggest key to the thumbnail is the title. And like you said, don't put the title 100%. in the thumbnail, but like the title is really what matters. You need a thumbnail that pops and, and feed stops you, but what makes you click is the title. I was thinking about this, basically TikTok, the first pause frame on you scroll on for you yeah. and that video pops up before it starts playing. That is the thumbnail for a video, like yeah. straight up the YouTube thumbnail. And the text that people put on the screen is literally the title of a YouTube mm -hmm. thing. So mm -hmm. if that gets you, I find myself like scrolling. Yeah, first second is the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, I find myself scrolling. And if like the title isn't something that intrigues me right away, I don't care what the video looks like. Like you being really pretty or you doing this yeah. or that or the other thing, not going to stop me. But if it says something that I'm like, whoa, I kind of want to know more about this. It's, it's literally the YouTube thumbnail is the first second of your TikTok video. And to bring it to you guys, I think animals starting every video to your point is like what makes Ike's lunch almost We won't more change that because we think yeah. the algorithm knows no, animals. No, I agree. Fucking I, I think people see animal and they're like, okay, this is Ike's lunch. They're at I'm ease. Ready to go. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Or anxiety is heightened. I would for sure go look at look at people outside your space, right? Like we did something kind of drastically different this year. I've almost memified all of our thumbnails for fantasy mm -hmm. where every single fantasy football YouTube thumbnail is like the same thing. Yeah. So really like top five must draft players or whatever, yeah. two players on the side. I basically thought of like, what is the theme or the energy of this video? How do I make it kind of funny? And then like uh, one of our most popular videos this year is like 10 players to let your idiot league mates draft. And that hit so well on YouTube for us. And the thumbnail was like Dr. Evil and all of his homies laughing, you know, when they're yeah, like yeah. in that one scene yeah. laughing, I just put idiot on the thing. And I put yeah. like two football players next to it or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It like intrigues people. They're like, oh, I like Dr. Evil. I like this. That's like funny. What is this though? Because I see the football players. I'm a football fan. Like, what are they talking about? Oh, let your idiot league mates draft these guys. It's like, it's like you, you need to understand what's the point of your video and then try to work backwards from that. It's the most important part. Realistically, I think thumbnail and title, the content matters, but I, I would guess like Mr. Beast probably is worried about the content less. He also knows his content's going to work, but the I title think, is yeah. just like, you look at this and it's just like a guy how to take back control of your life. And you're like, okay, that, you know, it, it things, it's so simple. Like the simplest thumbnails yeah. are the things that get you going. But like people who start putting too much, too much wording, just too much going on in it. Yeah. Uh, Coleman, our boy Coleman, right. uh, he said, this is the best performing video he's had in the first 24 hours about Kyle Pitts. It's always been Kyle great Pitts. with fucking uh, titles and stuff. But that one was an amazing thumbnail. And I think untraditional for what he has been doing, uh, to say like to go to hell or you know whatever he did. i interviewed him a year ago this mm -hmm. is the most violent man in college football and he shows a picture of a nerd right, right right and that's the guy though that is so intriguing i remember i um i interviewed him interviewed him on behind the business series like three or four days after he had launched this video and it was performing really well at the mm -hmm. time and he's like yeah it got like demonetized because um because of something i put in the video and every like month or so after that, we I'd ask him like how much money he would have made off. I'm pretty sure he missed out on like fifteen thousand dollars mm. because he fucking demonetized <laughs> that video. But that is what I'm talking about. Like that thumbnail, he probably just grabbed from Google. Yes, but the story of the thumbnail is like there's energy no text, behind it. Nothing there. No text. It's just a guy, but having violent match up with that face is just like a beautiful fucking work of art. Yep. Everything else is really simple. Like you don't see him doing, you don't see him putting like 50,000 different things on his thumbnail. It's a picture. It's, it's a phrase, you know, and then a line that kind of explains the phrase in there a little bit more. I think that's what it is. You want a word or a phrase and then explaining the word or the phrase. Yep. All right. Well, uh, We'll answer. I want to talk about Scott's question. We'll do okay. it next video. He basically was like, what's your, what would be like an ideal team size to grow up to without becoming like big media, basically. Interesting. Have you ever thought about that? Like different pieces that you like, say someone gave you like 300 K tomorrow to spend mm -hmm. on salaries, like the pieces that you would add to it. Interesting. No, uh, that I've, could actually be like a segment by itself. Yeah. Like a TikTok segment I've thought about like, scale before. And then this idea of keeping a lean team. And it's funny that we're going through 
probably like a weird but very realistic thing. We're a very lean team. I believe in that. I believe in profitability and media because a lot of companies just raise and they build content and they're trying to get bought or something and we have to be profitable. And, you know, Casey's sick right now. Alex isn't feeling well. And uh, our video editor is on vacation. So what happens to a lean team when very real life situations you get your editing skills up, Jackie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely have some views on this in terms of like adding developers, adding content creators, things like that. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about that on the next episode, though. All right. All right. Before we end, before we end, I feel like we have to give the listeners in the audience something. So you're going to come to the Knicks game with me tonight. Should we do like a five minute live brainstorm on like, should we try and get a piece of content in some creative fashion? Like you, I mean, you vlog when you go to games, you know, every once in a while, when I go to Knicks games, that's actually like my sacred place. Like I don't, I try not, I don't do fan meetups. I, you know, if I see like a fan, obviously. You, yeah. yeah, it's like church watching Jalen Brunson play basketball. <laughs> uh, but like, should we at least go through a five minute demonstration of what it would look like if we said all right let's create a viral moment tonight at the game mm, okay why don't you take the lead on this okay so my so first things that come to mind right is hawks trey young the spit incident you know he's balding that's a big thing and that's another thing we'd have to think through is like what's the lens and the angle do we want it to be a positive thing because the clickbaity and the nasty stuff is always going to find more views. Uh, we could come up with a TikTok trend. Like, has there been, I've been playing around on TikTok, trying to do some different stuff with like trends and sounds and stuff. So that, I think TikTok is where my mind would go first. I would need to do research and look through the trends of TikTok. I think that's pretty easy to find like good sounds or something to work yeah. off of and do there. I'm not someone who, I don't necessarily like to make like negative content. Like yeah. I wouldn't do something where I'm like yelling at Trey Young <laughs> or like doing an impersonation of people yeah. that like go crazy at the games because i like i know when the time comes when i'm in the stadium like i, I wouldn't want to do that i feel right. uncomfortable doing this so right. i don't want to do it sometimes my mind goes to like uh if I knew MSG better, like I would almost be like, let's do a draft, be like the best things about MSG. Yeah. And we'd actually walk around the stadium yeah. and you'd be like, yo, the popcorn here is fucking fire. We go yeah. get like popcorn, you know what I mean? Things like that. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah. I'd, like to, I'd like to look through it. Dude, TikTok's a great, it's so good because like you can pull inspiration from it so easily. TikTok yeah. is like the New York City. No, of we, I like a ton of videos just to go back go before back. we go to cities and be like, all right, let's try this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Like, uh, I thought this one we did was actually hilarious. We did, um, <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Like, like that's just a good sound. Now it only did forty five hundred views, but um, other stuff like at Penn State, I did. Who's the most famous person in your context? Because I knew I was going to be with a couple famous people, and then just completely random. Gus Johnson was on my bus, so I took a video of him that went viral, and we did best Boston accent. In, so you go, could do go to that that Penn State one. This one, the girl on the phone yeah. Who is the most famous person in your phone? In my phone contacts? I, I've never been asked this question before. <laughs> I don't have his number, but the most famous person I probably met is Aaron Judge or Charlie D'Amelio. Most famous person in my contacts, Roger Goodell. Really? Yeah. Who's the most famous person in your contacts? There's gotta be some that's classified. It's classified. Nobody. Nobody. Who's the most famous person in your contacts? Saquon. So Katie has seven million TikTok followers. So that's an obvious thumbnail, obvious way to start it. So like, see, I like that piece of content. Yeah. That, that works when you know you're going to be asking someone who's going to stop It works, but it also has nothing to do with you, which is my yes, hesitation on that. Yes. Like, it's a popular thing, but it, it almost does nothing for you from a personal branding standpoint. Correct. Yes, and I was conscious of that. Like you don't know but, whose hand that is. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, mean? like, I, I think the one positive thing would be, like, then I engage in the comment section and they ask me because they do know who it's kind of coming from and me being at the game. But, yeah, I agree. That's not like a— It's almost like why even shoot for virality if you can't capitalize yes, on it. Yes, 100%. And and that's why if it, if I wasn't verified on TikTok and didn't already have kind of a personal brand, I would never have done that. Yeah, my mind, my mind would go. It's it's funny how that like this kind of stuff works. Yeah. Uh, like for you, you're like, how do we, you know, how do we brainstorm around like making a specific piece of content? For me, my first thing would be like, yeah, just come to the next game with me and then vlog it for like six yeah. minutes or whatever, yeah. and then post that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if that's like. No, we could do that too. Being like uh, complacent or not trying to like build on anything, but I don't know. No, some people are interested in. I mean. 
And we could even, that our content could then relate back to this podcast, which is like, then we talk about how the thumbnail and the titling should go. And like, but I think if you were going to go vlog it, when you're vlogging, are you going with an intent for like, here's what we should get a reaction from? Or you're vlogging just is, is strictly like documenting for me. And do you think that's a positive way to do it? Because I think that like the best vloggers, right, they have a story that they've already pl- pre-planned. I think you can pre-plan a few things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't you can't pre-plan the story because you don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I wonder that sometimes too. Because I do you watch Casey Neistat's vlogs every once in a while. Yeah. yeah so he just yeah I, I watch them like infrequently, but I watched one yesterday. He was like uh, Halloween in New York City, mm-hmm. and it was literally like a four minute vlog, but just like a crazy amount of energy within like a three to four minute period. I'm like, he can't really plan for this. He kind of just like yeah. followed himself riding a bike down Seventh Ave, and then things kind of like took off after mm-hmm. that. I'm like, there's probably not that much thought, but maybe he was like, yeah, I need these seven shots. I need to explain this this and this other thing and again it goes back to the fact that like preparation does go a long way so yeah. if i sat down for an hour before i went to Knicks game and i was like i want to do these five things for sure the video would that be block so would be much better exponentially yeah. better yeah. for sure yeah. i would say like preparation that was another thing that i was talking to them outside in the meeting yesterday i was like end of the day it feels like if we're not preparing for these things if we're not organized like no one in here is talented enough to just like show up and be good enough <laughs> yeah. myself yeah. included yeah. i was like 100%. everything takes that work to be put in order for it to be higher quality so yeah maybe i'll sit down for an hour or so and think of different shots or different things mm-hmm. that I want to uh, get, whether it's as simple as like game footage, food footage, mm-hmm. you, you doing your NBA top shot thing before yeah. the game, yeah. you know, getting, trying to get into whatever, like a couple funny skits that yeah. um, would go a long way. I mean, I still have the Spider-Man and Batman costume, so... Uh, you trying to go in those? There's yeah. always A little that. late Halloween action? <laughs> I, I already did it with your boy Spido on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Fuck. All right, we'll... I'll plot. We'll, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what we land on, but I think this is a fun five-minute exercise that, that shows to the creators listening uh, how our minds work and how preparation is key. <laughs> All right, there you go.